Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, March 4th, 2019. We are reading from the big book in Bill's story, page 11, the sixth paragraph, I saw that my friend, reading that one paragraph only and commenting on that paragraph. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Carmela G, Twelve Traditions, Lois G, and readers of the text, Nancy T, Craig F. The reference numbers for Sunday, March the 3rd, Special Edition, 12614. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OE is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carmela G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Carmela G. from New York. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove them the defects, these defects of character. Seven, it humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. 
Thank you, Carmela G. And Lois G, could you read the 12 traditions, please? Press star one, Lois. Sorry, this is Lois G in Michigan. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be, be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Lois G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Bill's story, page 11. The sixth paragraph, I saw that my friend, and we'll be reading one paragraph and commenting on that. Nancy T., would you begin for us, please? Thank you, Lynn. Good morning, everybody. Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Lewiston, Idaho. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. Three short sentences, but wow, it says a lot <clears throat> to me. Now, we will remember here from the past paragraphs that we've read that Bill still has 
kind of a closed mind regarding these religious ideas that his friend Ebby was talking about. But the last couple of paragraphs, he's really beginning to see that, wow, this is, you know, my friend is different. It said that um, he was much more than inwardly reorganized. So he could see that his insides matched his outsides. I tell you what, for a lot of years, I could not ever say that my insides matched my outsides. I, my uh, MO in life was what's in it for me and what can I get for this? It was all about me, me, me. And, uh, but what would come out of my mouth was what I wanted you to believe about me. Not that I was selfish and self-centered, but that I was kind and generous and um, giving and, and that I might've been some of those things, but that sure wasn't um, what my focus was inwardly. And since I've, worked the steps exactly as written in the big book and had this amazing spiritual experience. We're going to learn later in the pages of this book that everything has to change. And that's what it's talking about. But my whole MO for life is going to change because instead of being selfish and self-centered, I'm now going to be God and other centered. And Bill is beginning to see this in Epi that he now, um, his roots grasp a new soil. You know what that makes me think of is when I uh, repot a plant, because when my plant gets root bound, what happens? The plant starts to die. And, um, but when I put it in a new pot with new soil, it flourishes and it grows. And I think of that as my spiritual experience. When I became open-minded and unstuck, so root bound, I wasn't root bound anymore. I opened my mind a little bit just to consider these ideas um, that were being suggested to me in this book. And then when I became willing to surrender to this power and then do the rest of the work to clean up and experience that amazing spiritual experience, it was just like that. I started to flourish and grow. I grew spiritually. You know, I guess I could laugh and say I was growing when I was root bound, but not in the way, not spiritually, um, physically. And so I I have a new life today and I never, never um, have regretted have regretted it. I am so grateful. Yes, it was work. Yes, things had to change. Everything had to change. But I wouldn't trade my worst day um, in recovery for my best day in the disease ever. Um, I'm so glad that my roots grasp a new soil. And that new soil for me today is the power of God. With that, I'll pass. Thank you very much for allowing me to be of service. Thank you, Nancy T. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last day or two to take this opportunity. And please say your name Lynch. just once as it helps me hear everyone. Kim J. Janet E. Marie J. This is Larry Kay. W. Reva P. Marie J. Janet E. Okay, let me tell you who I got. I have Charles H., Kim G., Marie J., Larry K., Marie W. and Reva P. So Charles H., could you start for us, please, followed by Kim G. Thank you very much, Lynn, for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive reader. Um, his roots grasp a different soil. I want to drill down as somebody's um, turning pages, maybe trying to memorize a beautiful speech. I'll put something on that for you. Thank you, God. Um, so the difference for me, the difference between religion and spirituality is me. It's, it's, it's the way I interpret it. 
um, you know, I, I can recall back on page nine when Ebby said, I got religion, and, you know, Bill went crazy, judged him, stereotyped him. We're still doing it um, 80 years later. But the way he – but he did no ranting. You know, he ju- he showed that it was a a, a a simple religious idea. You know, may- maybe that simple religious idea is, is setting aside anything I think I know for a new experience. And for me, that's what the big book is all about. You know, um, I hear on this line, you know, it's like it's like a frog going in a little lukewarm water, and you don't know when you cook, right? Um, yeah. So I didn't know when I was cooked. You know, uh, if I set aside what I think I know, I can learn more. You know, and I love how um, Mr. Chirac described the week after, the week before last, in the spiritual experiences. We don't have any monopoly on God. You find it where you where, where you find it at. I know when my goose was cooked and it didn't hung high no more, I just surrendered. And and for me, that that's what it's all about, surrendering and setting aside what I think I know. You know, so what? You know, I got a daily reprieve contingent on my spiritual condition based on a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Kim G., it's your turn, followed by Marie J. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. I love that line that Charles just talked about, too, his roots grasp new soil. You know, I'm a Jersey girl, and uh, 2011, I think it was 2012, we had Superstorm Sandy come through, and I live in a neighborhood that some of the houses on my street were built in the 1700s. We have these old, huge trees, and when I crawled out of my house that next day after that storm, trees were pulled over. And it wasn't that they snapped. It was that the, so much rain had, had gone down that the, the, it, the ground was so saturated that the trees were pulled over, pulled over by their roots. And that's what I think of. You know, you know I, my roots grasped temporary soil. It didn't grasp this higher power. You know, I think on page 24 where it says, at certain times, we can bring into our memory with sufficient force. So at certain times, you know, I grasped knowledge that didn't last. I grasped just worshiping a food plan that didn't last. I grasped fellowship only that didn't last. I grasped tools only at certain times they worked, but they were insufficient. I needed to grasp a new soil, a power greater than myself. You know, I'm, one of my favorite AA speakers is, is Joe H. And I was listening to, his um, a tape of his, and he was talking about the man of 30. And the man of 30, what they talk about here is that he fell victim to the belief, which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline him, discipline had qualified him to drink like other people. And he said that one of the main reasons he sees people relapse, and I am, it has mimicked my own experience, is that people fall victim to the belief that practically every alcoholic has that the long period of sobriety and self-discipline has qualified him to not drink like other people. Meaning that once we have been abstinent for a while, we think, oh, I don't need to do these spiritual practices. I can go through this tragedy and not do spiritual work. I can go through this celebration and not do spiritual work. I start to think I cannot drink like other people. 
I am different. My brain is wired differently than the, than other people. And that means even when I'm abstinent, my brain is wired differently. And the treatment I have, the soil that I must grasp is a spiritual experience as the result of the steps and the steps do not have an ending point. The steps become the DNA. The steps become the skeleton in my life, which allows me to enjoy the rest of my life. And when I stop believing that, what's going to happen is that mental twist will come back. That mental twist will convince me it's okay to make an exception with the food. And because my body has never changed, I will be back in that, in that uh, doctor's opinion cycle over and over and over. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Marie J., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Thank you. Good morning. This is Marie J., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And uh, this is very powerful. You know, first I was changed inwardly, and that was a really explosive change. And then I started thinking differently. I was changed outwardly. I was started thinking differently about people around me and my character liabilities of judgment and expectation and resentment all turned to compassion. And when I saw that my husband wasn't doing what I demanded or wasn't being the kind of person I wanted him to be for my ease and comfort, I was able to see gratitude for him instead, for being my teacher, for showing me where I needed to change, where I had needed to change what was between my ears and how I thought. And I began to feel compassion. And I began to see that I was the problem all along. My, my head, what's in my head, my thoughts and my beliefs, and my eyes have, have always seen lack in people, lack in my husband. And then I began to be able to see the truth. You know, I began to be, be able to see my husband and others through God's eyes and not through my own infantile demands of perfection and of um, people needing to control people so that I would feel good about myself and about them. You know, so this perfection idea of everyone having to be perfect, perfect in, including myself. And I began to love myself. I began to accept my shortcomings as part of this human experience that I'm having. And I began to forgive my own imperfections, and it enabled me to see others in a new light and to have more compassion. And my relationships healed and thrived. And this all happened because of these steps. And of course I get challenged still, you know, I'm not perfect and that's part of being human and triggers still come up and people will, will challenge me, but I can look at them as a gift. And that's as hard as it gets today. I have to kind of do this 10 step turnaround and look at what's the gift that people are bringing me to look at myself and my own needs to change needs to look at, you know, my own needs to look at what God is bringing me here and how it is that I need to begin to behave. So for the most part, my self-centeredness has been eradicated. And it's not permanent. It's one day at a time, as everyone has been saying, contingent upon this relationship with the power, the power, the higher power. And when I don't continue this relationship, and it can happen, I can be out of touch with God in a day, then I fall on my face and I get up, I dust myself off, I do a 10-step, I make amends where necessary, 
And this is Time the fruit. These are the fruits of working the steps with your hair on fire. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Marie J. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Sandy W. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Larry K. from Chicago, recovered this morning. Um, wanted to weigh in on this um, a little bit. I'll set my timer here. The, um, I want to look at this uh, notion of being internally reorganized. This is what Bill saw in Ebby. You know, what happens to us when our roots begin to grasp a new soil? You know, it makes me think of... Um, makes me think of my, my professional life. We, we try to get to the root of the problem, right? That, that's actually, that's what psychoanalysis is all about, trying to get to the root of the problem. But here's, here's some thoughts, you know, um, presented in the big book. What if there's a higher power? And, and what if the root of my problem is a spiritual malady? What if it's not my childhood? It's not my traumas. It's, it's not to diminish the importance of any of those things. But what if it's none of those things really? Because all of us, we all have our own narrative. We all have our own life experiences built on struggle and calamity and challenge. Any one of us. There's nobody on this line that doesn't have issues of some kind, right? But what if it's none of that really? And nor, was, nor was it for Ebby. It was a spiritual malady. There were blind spots that he had, that we all have. And what if there was a power by which he could now become dominated by that higher power, regardless of what happened to him in his childhood or along the way? And there were blind spots that if he would go through a process, that's what Bill saw. There's something different in this guy. that He just sees something. You see something too, right? It's not when you when you meet people in a way, it's not necessarily their physical packaging, right? That that's not the whole story. You, do we know some crazy people? I say that with love. Do we know some crazy people that are in normal sized bodies? Oh, we do, right? But there's something different about them. And what we see in Ebby is he went through a process at that time of change and he became unblocked. That's that's the hypothesis, isn't it, really? He became unblocked and his roots at that time grasped a new soil. Same with you. Maybe the same with me. We, we subjected ourselves to a process of change. And despite whatever happened, we always thought that it was the stuff that happened to us that made us eat. And it was never the fact, really, we were using food and whatever we were using, different behaviors to just feel comfortable in our own skin. And then subjecting ourselves to this process we begin to feel comfortable in our own skin. And other people can notice it. They see it. They hear it. They feel it. It's just some feeling. It's pretty cool. I love this part of the book because I love to see change. When someone becomes awakened, it's an extraordinary thing. It's pretty cool. I'm a, a satisfied customer with this. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry K. Sandy W., it's your turn, followed by Reva P. Oh, good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. I wasn't sure if you had heard me. This is um, Sandy W., so gratefully recovered in Connecticut. And I, too, just love in this paragraph how it talks about our inward reorganization. But not just that, but the, how our, our roots are grasping a new soil. You know, as I often hear on these lines, um, we're now tethered to a higher power that we've surrendered our will and our lives to, and we've admitted our powerlessness. 
you know, I'm finding where I'm at in my recovery that God is continuing to reveal to me just the depth and the, and the width of that powerlessness. And I'm seeing more and more, you know, how powerless I am over all my life, over pers- all the persons, places, and situations. You know, um, most days I feel so thoroughly surrendered over the food and my food behaviors that plagued me in my disease. But it's been a slower recognition of the other areas of life that I actually thought I was somewhat managing. But God, um, oh, in his wise way, although I guess that's the only way he can be, he's continuing to show me how unmanageable all my life is without him. I think he's probably gotten used to me calling out to him, what now, what next, you know, as I slowly begin to accept my brokenness in just every aspect of life and, um, and my inability at times to recognize where and what I'm still holding on to. And each time, though, I'm finding as I surrender another shortcoming or another coping mechanism that no longer serves me, you know, I'm able to serve him better, be who he intends me to be, you know, that person of maximum service to others. You know, sometimes I still feel so inwardly disorganized instead of reorganized, but God always gives me a sign that he is at work in me. You know, like that, that, that look on my husband's face of, who is this woman and what did you do with my wife? But whatever it was, please keep her there. You know, in, in all areas of my life now, God truly is doing for me what I could not do for myself. So I am just going to grasp onto that new soil as tightly as I can. And um, so appreciate all of you on that journey with me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sandy W. And Reva P., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. You know, when I first came into this program, I thought it was about the food. Um, And I can still think it's about circumstances. And if only the food would be in order, and if only you know, certain people would do what I want, if only certain circumstances would go the way I want, I could be okay and and life can proceed. But what this paragraph is showing me is that Bill is witnessing the solution. And what is the solution? Um, He's witnessing somebody who's got recovery. Um, And it's about an inward change. It's an inside job. Um, And when he says, my friend is inwardly reorganized, that reminds me what it says on page 27, that this is a phenomena where huge emotional displacements and rearrangements take place. This is a total transformation from the inside out. Um, And what happens with that transformation is I get the neutrality with the food that I don't even want to pick it up. And what happens with that transformation is that Irregardless of life's circumstances, we are stable and we go through things. I never went through. I went around, up, down, um, all over the place, but never through. Um, In this business of roots grasping new soil, that means there's a sense of strength, power, and stability that no matter what happens, not only do I not pick up the food, but I can, I can be stable. Um, and I'm going through lots of external circumstances and it's extremely challenging, extremely. And it is only because of doing the work. How do I do this? All we do is do the step work. 
I get access to that power by step 11. And I don't know how and I don't need to know how, but all I know is that it works. And you guys help me stay on the path and keep my roots grounded. And you know those roots keep going deeper and deeper because the challenges, I think, with recovery go deeper. <laughs> so the roots go deeper. Um, and, you know, God can match any calamity um, with the depth of that power. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. For those of us who might have come on the line a little later, we are in Bill's story on page 11, the sixth paragraph. I saw that my friend reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. And I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last day or two to take this opportunity. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Janet R. Carol R. I heard I heard Janet E, Nessa R, and Craig F. Who else was there? Sharon Carol R. I think I heard Carol. Aaron. Carol R. Yep, got you, Carol. Thank you. Leah okay, here's my line. Amy G from Maryland. Okay, here's my lineup, and I'm sorry to whoever I missed. Janet E. Nessa R, Craig F, Carol R, uh, Amy G, and I think I've written down Rachel here. I'm not sure. Okay, Janet E, could you start off for us, please? Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Janet E from Cuenca, Ecuador, recovered. Um, I love these sentences. It's so simple. But when I think about roots, I feel like I didn't even have any roots. I was like a pinball in a machine being like tossed about looking for the next shiny object, the next thing, the next luxury vacation, the next person that I could attach myself to. Um, I felt like I don't, I didn't even have any roots. I had nothing to grasp onto, but doing whatever the heck I wanted um, it, you know, and just wreaking havoc all over the world. And, um, so I think roots, my roots started growing when I, when I found recovery and, <laughs> and now it's just, it's that radical change, that revolutionary change that we're promised. And, um, now I feel like, you know, with my, with my 11 step practice and the deepening of my spirituality and, and working the fellowship and the connections that I'm making, that's what's causing me to even have any roots. Um, and the more I do that, the more I, I spend time in that, the, the longer those roots get so that, you know, it used to be any, any calamity that I had created would just knock me over. It would be a simple little thing, would just flatten me out and put me in high drama. And now it's like, um, you know, I've got tools, I've got the pause, I go back to higher power. I've just got this toolkit now that's loaded. Um, they never had. And so it's sort of like, um, you know, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. You know, now I've got these long roots that are growing and solid and uh, they're rooted in higher power and in uh, this message of recovery. So I just love this, the vision of it. I love to... Um, visualize roots that are getting deeper as I'm praying. It's just, it's all just great stuff. So, so thankful for it and I'll pass. 
Thank you very much, Janet E. Nessa R., it's your turn, followed by Craig F. Thank you. Good morning, Richard, for you. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I also want to share on inwardly reorganized um, because, as has been said before, um, this just means one thing. It means transformation. And uh, the transformation is in the way I behave initially, the way I behave towards, towards food. You know, not only I uh, no longer resort to food to help me cope as my solution to every single one of my challenges, problems, events, circumstances, but I don't need the food and I don't want the food to get to life. And that is a transformation that I could have never affected on my own. And, and I tried. I tried like probably everybody, every single person on the line here tried. I tried to change myself, but, you know, I, I, just, I just couldn't change myself. And it took me, you know, 40 years, 46 years of trying um, until I finally found the solution, which is in this very simple program of action, you know. And the paradox is that, you know, I had to put the food down first um, in order for the process to begin. You know, the food had to be down um, 100%, had to be 100% clean. You know, as it says, I think it's on page 19, maybe 24, I can't remember now. But it says um, um, the elimination of alcohol is but a beginning, which means that uh, it means two things to me. Uh, number one, it is the beginning without which nothing can, can happen. But also it is only the beginning. I mean, it's not the goal. The goal is recovery. The goal is reaching that state of transformation where I can get to life without having to compulsively overeat. And I could only, um, the only thing that worked for me were these steps, which opened the door for God to transform me into the person that I am today, not only with regards to the food, but regard, regarding uh, my relationships, my perceptions, my attitude upon life, um, which is, uh, you know, even much harder to do than a transformation regarding the food because it required me to learn a new way of thinking and how can I teach myself to think differently? I don't know how to think differently. If I did, I would have done it a long time ago and I wouldn't be here. Um, but these steps teach me how to think differently, and God um, does the rest. Um, and I'm grateful for that, and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Craig F., it's your turn, followed by Carol R. Good morning. This is Craig F., I recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, you know, for a long time, I, I read these paragraphs that have to do with this change, um, this inwardly uh, reorganized life, and I and I wanted that, you know, because I didn't like who I was. You know, I, I uh, inside I um, didn't. Uh, I felt like if you really knew me, I, you know, you, you couldn't love me. I, I I was unlovable, and I had some evidence to that. Um, you know, uh, I felt like I always, I did things that I knew were wrong and couldn't stop and like, and I didn't do things that I knew were right and couldn't force myself to do it. Uh, I I was not, I, I was not happy with me. 
I wasn't happy with who with I, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin and I wanted to be changed. And so I would read these paragraphs about change and I would think, okay, uh God's gonna change me. He's gonna he's gonna rearrange who I am and then maybe I won't be so drawn to to do the things that I shouldn't do and I'll be more drawn to do the things I should do and, and I'll be uh you know become a better uh a better person and uh you know I, and I waited and I waited and I waited and it didn't come and and but I wasn't just waiting what what happened was what you know I I missed I I missed that line in the 12th step you know having had a spiritual experience as the result of these steps uh in other words this isn't some this isn't some white light immediate experience that's going to happen to anybody uh just out of the blue you know uh, even bill wilson you know we talk about his white light experience but we've been reading over the past couple of weeks about a progression in in surrender from him he he's progressively been come out of idea he's progressively come to a place where he's out of ideas and he's progressively come to the place where he's beat down progressively he's got he gets to see this uh uh vision of god's at work in Ebby's life and he starts to want it and he starts to maybe put aside his old prejudices about about a relationship with god and and he he changes he, he changes his he he changes his thinking and he begins to accept and he begins to do some work here shortly and and, and as a result of that work as a result of that uh, those acts of surrender god's able to enter his life and you know I, I i wanted to just surrender how very little i had to to get the weight loss you know i wanted to surrender just enough that god would let me be hip slick and cool and not everything. Time, you know, I was ter- Thank you. I was terrified of surrendering everything. But once I did surrender everything, then I got the changes that I desired. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. Carol R., it's your turn, followed by Amy G. Carol R, press star one, please. Okay, perhaps I misheard. Amy G, are you ready, please? Hi, I'm I can go. Can you hear me? Okay. Who is this can now? You hear is this me? Amy? Hello, can you hear me? Okay, who Hello? is this, I'm here. Please? Amy G is here. Can you hear me? I think we've got two, there's two people on the line. Carol R., are you there? Yeah, I'm so sorry. My phone remuted itself. I'm so sorry. Hi, my name's Carol R., and I'm recovered from Pennsylvania. Um, So good morning, everybody. Um, So good to be on the line. Um, So here we're seeing um, Epi, and Bill is seeing, like, the psychic change, which is is such a a miracle 
you know, he knows him from before and he knows him being completely different. And all of a sudden, you know, he's grasping, uh, his roots are grasping different soil. Like, he's standing in front of him and he's, he's God-powered, you know. After, after we work the steps and, you know, we, we have this psychic change. And, um, and it's a miracle. Um, and I know for me, um, it was, you know, it was a long time in coming. And, you know, I, you know, I was, I was, uh, man, I was always like, my higher power was the food for such a long time. And after working the steps and, and experiencing the psychic change, um, my roots are grasping a new soil. And the difference, the difference is, is just amazing. And like, other people can see it around me. Um, my husband, for instance, like, you know, now I'm treating him in a whole different way. It's like not just the food is down, but there's so many other things that have shifted in my life because of me working the steps, because of me, like, cleaning out the gunk that had always, you know, prevented me, prevented the sunlight of the spirit from coming in, you know, and then working in steps 10, 11, and 12, and continuing to, you know, look at myself, it's like, what an experience, and what a gift to continue to, like, be be open to look at myself, and to continue to move forward, and practicing step 11, you know, um, improving my conscious contact with God, and just praying for love, and kindness, and gentleness, and to be of maximum service to God, it's like, you know, here he is, and he's, he's explaining his story. He's like passing on the message. And whenever we do that, it's like we're a light passing on, we're passing on light to others. You know, we're helping others come out of the darkness. And that's like God working, you know. God is working through us. And it continues to enlarge our spiritual life. And it's just a beautiful thing. So here, you know, Bill is witnessing witnessing a psychic change. Um, Epi is God-powered, and that's all I have. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Carol R. Amy G., it's your turn, followed by Leah M. Hi, Amy G. from Maryland, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much for your service and everyone for an awesome meeting. I'm not sure if I'm going to say anything new here about being inwardly reorganized, but I, I humbly believe it bears repeating. Bill and Evie, yes, they knew each other. If we go a couple paragraphs back, it says, you know, Evie sat before him suddenly being raised from the, you know, raised from the dead or the scrap heap to a life better than he had ever known. I mean, I think Bill, just like us, we know what it is to white knuckle it and to be dry, you know, dry drunk. But Evie, you know, he was saying that he had a life better than he had ever known. Better? I mean, I don't know about you all, but my definition of having a good life was probably along the lines of what Bill's was and Evie's was. You know, they, they would go out, power, money, prestige. Me, I wanted to eat whatever I, eat whatever I wanted and not get thin. I wanted to have money and property, too. And, you know, what they did for fun is they went out and rented a, a, a jet and went on a jazz, you know. 
I mean, the definition and the purpose of their lives. And yet here was Evie sitting across the table saying, no, that's not what I'm about anymore. You know, I found God. I found a higher power. He was sober contentedly. He had a different purpose. Talk about shocking and miraculous to Bill. It must have seemed like a fourth dimension that they talked about, a fourth dimension of living that wasn't even conceivable. And I understand that because that's the way I felt. When I walked in and I saw the peace and serenity in your eyes where the food wasn't calling and you had found another purpose, which was to what? To help me. How could that be? How could a selfish, self-centered, immature person like myself who couldn't imagine not living without food become like that? Well, first of all, I had to focus on not dying before I figured out how to live. And not dying was learning how to work this program and that the rest would come and that I, too, could have that. And we're going, to hear, we're going to hear Bill talk about that, too. Could I have it? Of course I would if I was willing to work these steps, to put the food down and work these steps. But it was a miraculous thing. Evie was showing Bill the way. And that's what we do here on the line. We show the way. It's not my, it's not my message. It's the message of these 12 steps that's transformative. But it has to start somewhere. And the belief for me, my faith was the belief in you all, that you had something that I wanted. I couldn't imagine life without the food calling me. I was absorbed entirely by food, calorie scales, exercise. That was my entire life. To think of anything else being possible, I didn't know it. I couldn't imagine it. It says in the big book, there comes a point we can't imagine living with it or without it. But now we say there is another way. It is here. It is in these 12 steps. And we, we can do it. Together we can do what we could never do alone. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Leah M., it's your turn, followed by Helen. Thank you so much. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots, grass, new soil. Beautiful, beautiful statements there. And, you know, uh, things that mean so much to me. Um, It reminds me of the process that we go through, the spiritual journey of rearrangement, you know, to begin with, that leads us out of the darkness. It reminds me of those huge emotional displacements and rearrangements where my old ideas, emotions, attitudes, uh, which were the guiding forces of my vision and my outlook on life, were cast aside by the uh, implementation of this work, and a new set of conceptions and motives and vision began to dominate me so that through this work I was led out of the darkness and into a stability because my roots now were grasping a trust, a reliance, and a dependency on a power greater than myself. You know, not this is not about the physical. This is taking me into a spiritual realm, a, a new a new world began to open up to me, something I had not uh, been introduced to. You know, when, when I embarked on this program of recovery, it wasn't through virtue, it was through pain. When I decided to embark on this program of recovery, I had no evidence, no certainty, uh, no feeling necessarily that there was going to be this foundation of God, but I saw it in others in whom the problem had been solved. 
And, you know, of course, we all know our abstinence dates, and we share those, and we celebrate it, um, you know, but I, I like to take note of the things that God relieved me of. You know, I had this uh, self-hate from a very young age that led me to self-destruction by my own hand under the guise of seeking ease and comfort. I had an anger and a rage just beneath the surface of my smile. Um, I had uh, this deep resentment against uh, a parent that uh, riddled me with poison. You know, I can't tell you the dates that those were relieved. I don't know when it when it occurred, but I can tell you that it happened. It was lifted right out of me, just like the obsession uh, to self-destruct with the contents of a cellophane bag and a bakery box. So, you know, through the work of the steps and the continuation of this work, there is a natural progression that has taken me from a life-taking habit of self-obsession and self-destruction to a life-giving desire uh, for service to others and service to God. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. And I heard a Helen. Helen, if you're available. Okay, perhaps I misheard. We have time for two more shares. Who would like those time? Press star one to unmute. Barbara P. in Atlanta. Lauren Z. Okay, Barbara, Barbara P. and Lauren. Okay, Barbara, please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. This is Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And the, what struck me is what I used to grasp and what I grasp now. My, my roots grasp negativity. They grasp judgment. They grasp... Um, oh gosh, just all kinds of fear and and I just, that's where I lived and I held on to that. I was so afraid. I was afraid to make any move. I was afraid to recover in a way, like what would life look like? So my roots grasped one soil oh, and thank God for these steps. I feel like now my roots grasp trust. I don't always have it, but I grasp for it. I try for it. Trust. I grasp for peace. I, I look for those things. I grasp love. And I really grasp a higher power's will versus my will. My old soil was what I wanted, when I wanted it, and how I could get it. And now um, I try and live today, and with a lot of 10th, 11th, 12, you know, 10th and 11th steps, but I try and live today looking at my higher power's will for me versus mine. And I find my life is so much more satisfying. I cannot believe... I mean, beyond neutrality with the food, that's one of those promises, and it really has come true for me, but I also have this peace. Um, that, and again, it's 10 steps. It's, it's working it, but I come to a peace and a trust and a love, and I want to stay there today. So I'm so grateful for this new soil. I feel like I'm grasping at different things today than I used to. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara P. And Maura Z, it's your turn.
Hi, Lynn. Sorry, I didn't think you heard me. Good morning. Maura Z. Gratefully recovered. So gratefully recovered. Um, inwardly reorganized. I don't have my big book in front of me, but I believe that's the phrase. Completely inwardly reorganized. And Lynn, please time me. Um, I'm, having, um, I'm having a little procedure today. And Zamora, before being recovered, sorry, vacuuming is, <laughs> is exercise, isn't it? Right? Um, before being recovered, I would have been in a tither. And that's putting it mildly. I would have been a nervous wreck. And I would have been in that state of mind since the surgery was scheduled four weeks ago. And um, <coughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Um, am I concerned a little bit? But, you know, I was texting with someone this morning who was not in program, and she was telling me how she was worried before and blah, 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 and all of this negative stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> thanks for sharing. And I just wrote back, I'm in his hands. I'm in his hands. I don't have to have this. The doctor, the anesthesiologist, the nurses, all of the medical health care professionals today, they're all in his hands. He will give them the skill and the knowledge and the wisdom to do what they're supposed to do. And he has given me the peace to know this is a good thing. And, um, and, and I don't have to worry. I'm not worried. Um, and and even though I'm not allowed to eat, I'm not hungry. I am thirsty. Um, but, you know, all things, you know, this too shall pass, right? This too shall pass. Well, it's just a miracle. It's one of those little end miracles. And I am so grateful to this meeting because this meeting brought me to the 12 steps as if I'd never been, well, not as if, as I had never experienced them before. And the 12 steps brought me to him, brought me to my higher power, brought me to God, and, um, and brought me to the friendship and the love of, you know, some 400 people on the phone that don't know me from Adam, you know, maybe a couple, 10, maybe a dozen, maybe know me. But um, I'm not alone this morning. I don't have to be alone ever again because I know he is there and he is holding me and he's holding every one of us this morning. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Maura Z. And thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, March 4th, 2019, the 7 a.m. meeting is 12616. We will now close with the reading from the big book, on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Craig F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. <laughs> Good morning. This is Craig F. Can I be heard? I'm, uh, yes, thank you. Caught me by surprise here. I'm sorry. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.